welcome to Overlake Christian Church. We are so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we will join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. All together, we will be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. We would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. If it's your first time with us today, welcome. We are so glad you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after service. There you will find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. there are many opportunities to serve. If you need more information about any of the various ministries from Kidtown Children's Ministries to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on your connection card in your handout and we will make sure to get you all the info you need. for being here today. We believe church isn't a building to gather on Sunday, but that is a family where we can come together both here in our building and out in the community. We hope that you have a great time at the service this morning. Good morning, Overlake. Let's stand. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. We're just going to dive right into worship this morning. You guys ready? Yes. Jesus, we just want to worship you in this place, God. Would you be glorified through the positioning of our hearts to meet with you this morning? We love you, Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb in desperation. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end. Step down from glory to where my soul. 
sit that sit in that a minute. Jesus, you're our hope. Let's sit in that tension of that expectance. We're about to sing some powerful words. Let's just think about what that means for a minute. The morning came.
together right now. Sing a song to Jesus. name is Amen. the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Oh, Overlake, it is so good to be with you today. I absolutely love being on this journey with you. You can go ahead and grab a seat, and we are going to continue in our worship today. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team, and it is uh, it, it actually is so wonderful. Uh, I don't know if this happened to you today, but when I walked out of my door to get in my car to drive here today, I heard birds singing this morning. That was uh, amazing to me. And then the roads were open all the way in. And it was, <laughs> my heart was like, Lord, can you please bring spring early this year, right? Does anybody feel the same way? No? Yeah? Okay, all right. 
I feel like um, if you ever read the Narnia books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I feel like we've come through the reign of the White Witch, and now Aslan is near, right? Amen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you might want to grab your notes out of your handout. We are continuing. In fact, today we're going to wrap up a series. Uh, it's called Worship the King. It's a series on worship. And our hope and our prayer has been that we would just lean into what God is already forming in our midst, that we would be worshipers who worship first. And if you think about where we've gone over this series, the first week we started talking about how that worship is a certain amount of thing. There's like a definition of what worship is. And then the week after that, we looked at a narrative in scripture, Paul and Silas, and how this is an example of what worship first looks like, what it, what it actually is like in practice. And then last week, what we did is we took a look at one worship song, and we just sort of unpacked all of the theology, all of the spiritual and biblical truth that underlies all of the words we sing, just as an example of how powerful it is when we come together corporately or when we sing or express these songs. There's, there's actually real significant spiritual power that we are tapping into when we do that. And today what we're going to do is the same thing. I was, I was thinking the analogy I have of worship is like a diamond. And it's this beautiful diamond. And no matter how you turn it and what facet you look at, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. And it's, and it's sort of consuming. And, and so today we're going to look at another facet, another aspect of it. Many of you already know Pastor Kara. Pastor Kara is, uh, she's the pastor who actually leads through our, our rooted experience. Um, I, I mentioned before, she's the one who has crafted and written our transformed experience here. And so those, uh, uh, those markers along our spiritual formation pathway. But one of the things you need to know about Pastor Kara is that she is, first and foremost, she's a, a worship pastor. That this is what she has gone to school for, that, that this is sort of her area of study, her expertise. And if I could just tell you, it's, it's her first love. She is someone who worships first. So I've asked her to come and share. Would you please welcome Pastor Kara as she comes and teaches us this morning? guys. I am so excited to be here with you. Round two, second service. Let's go. Um, because I have been asked to talk about my favorite thing in the entire world, and that is worshiping Jesus. I'm just so, so excited. Pastor Mike mentioned a little bit of why this is so important to me, why I love worship so much, and I just want to give you a little bit of context um, from Kara's life. And I may know some of you, I don't know all of you, and so I just want to give you a little bit of my background, my history with the Lord, and why I just love worship. I live and breathe worship. And from um, like my earliest memories, for as long as I can remember, I have loved worshiping Jesus. My mom was telling me a story this week, actually, that I don't really remember, but when I was about five or six, we're going to church, and I refused to go to Sunday school. I didn't want to go anymore. And the reason why was we were at a church where the kids would be dismissed to go to their class when the adults in big church were still in worship. And that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to leave. And so I would be there with my family and my Sunday school teachers would come out and like find my mom and be like, where's Kara? <laughs> we're missing Kara. And I would just be sitting there with my family. That's where I wanted to be. For as long as I can remember, I have loved worshiping Jesus. And from the moment that I could talk, I was singing. 
Um, sorry, mom and dad. And I was writing songs at two, and I was singing with my sister in church and in choir, and we did musical theater together. And when I was in seventh grade, I was able to join my church's youth group, and I was able to join our youth band. And I was so excited for this. I played piano, and I sang, and I had the like most perfect person to lead me in that season of my life. I had a phenomenal worship pastor who took the time to teach me as a seventh grader worship theology. Like this is not just singing songs. He taught me the difference between singing a song and leading worship. And we know that leading worship is actually leading God's people into his presence. That's, that's why this is so powerful. That's what Jessica does for us every week. And so I was learning and I was hungry, but I was ready for more. And so this was all through high school. I was just like eating this up. And a few years after high school, I had the opportunity to do a worship internship with this same pastor. He'd moved to a church in California to start a school of worship. So I got to go intern with him and develop this school of worship for songwriters and musicians and for worshipers. And after that season, I was still hungry, and I was ready for more, and the Lord called me to go back to school, and so I went to this teeny tiny Bible school in Dallas, Texas. It's called Christ for the Nations Institute, and some of my best memories with Jesus are from that time. Some of the closest, clearest moments with Jesus are from that time. It's a precious season in my life, and so it, when I am sharing this with you this morning. I want you to know that it's transformed the way that I view worship. It transformed the way that I worship Jesus. It transformed my relationship with Jesus. And that's what I want to share with you today is coming from that season of my life. Because I love worship. This is not just a series, right? This is not just business as usual. This is not just random four weeks. This is it. We are worshipers. We are called to be worshipers. And Overlake, I love worshiping with you. I love being here with you. Many of you know a week ago, we gathered together to worship for 24 hours straight. And it was this beautiful new expression. Many of you were there, this beautiful new expression where, um, man, we didn't come in with an agenda. We didn't come in with time constraints. We didn't come in with a list of songs, but we were just there to worship Jesus. And there was you can see in this photo, even in the room, there was space. People could come in and sit or stand or kneel or dance or pace or pray or whatever. And there were stations around the room for different expressions of worship, for art and for painting, for journaling, prayer. And there was a spot to take communion together. And it was this beautiful picture of us being together. This is not just one person. If you weren't able to be there, I just kind of want to break down what it was like. The 24 hours were split into 12 two-hour sessions, each led by a worship leader in a band. And so there's this rotation, there's this handoff that happened between um, the different worship leaders that were in there and in the room. And I was so excited because you guys showed up. Like, we were in this thing together. And my friend Louise is actually here this morning, and she lives exactly one mile away from the church, and she was without a car. And if you remember, last weekend it was still real icy, it was still real snowy, and she decided to make the trek on foot to come. She was one of the first people that I saw that weekend. Not one time, multiple times. She was there throughout the weekend because it was like, this is what we're doing together. This is so beautiful. This is worth it. And I want to read some words from Pastor Jessica. Um, her thoughts about the weekend. She said, one thing that made me cry every time 
for the transitions between the teams. Each session, a team would carry the mantle and weight of worship, and then so beautifully hand it to the next team and leader. It was as if the baton was passed each time and so precious to experience. I truly believe we each bring unique gifts and offerings that only we can offer to God. This is not about one person. This is not about one pastor. This is not about even one song. But we were here for Jesus. And this verse kept coming to mind that really summed up the 24 hours for me. And it's from my favorite psalm, Psalm 27, verse 8. It says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. It was this moment for us as a church family where we're saying, Lord, we hear you saying, come and talk with me. And we respond, Lord, I am coming. So we've been learning about worship these last three weeks. Pastor Mike just did a quick recap of where we have been. And today, I want us to narrow our focus. We're going to talk about a specific expression of worship, a single expression of worship, and that is praise praise. And often in church culture and Christian context, we lump these together. We say praise and worship. And maybe you have thought before that praise is the happy, clappy songs, and then worship is like the slow, reflective songs. And there's a distinction, but that's not quite it. And so what I want to do is I want to start by reading a list of definitions. These are the seven Hebrew words that are translated into the English word praise. So when you read the word praise in your English Bible, this is where this is coming from. And as I read each one of these, they're going to be on the screen, I want you to think about the posture of praise. What does it mean to praise? The first is halal, to boast, glory, celebrate clamorously, or be loudly foolish. Yadah, to give thanks, laud, praise with lifted hands. Todah, thanksgiving, thank offering, sacrifice of praise, choir of worshipers, zamar, to sing and give praise while plucking the strings of an instrument, tehila, glory, celebrate praiseworthy deeds with song, sing enthusiastically, barak, to bless, to praise, to kneel, and shabak, to praise, to shout and proclaim with a loud voice and to boast in the Lord. Now the first thing I want you to recognize is only one of those had anything to do with music right? Only Zamar. And the other thing is, all of them have to do with a demonstrative expression of praise. It is this outward, this overflow of worship that is our praise. So the first thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes today, that first fill-in is praise is vertical. Praise is vertical. When we praise God, we are remembering, trusting, and declaring that he is as good as he says he is. That is praise. Songs of praise will not have um, navel-gazing, self-reflective lyrics about me and I. This is not the posture of praise. This is the posture of praise. Praise is vertical. So I want you to practice this with me right now, right where you are in your seat. Keep your eyes open and just tilt your head back until you're facing up, until you can't see your neighbor to the right or the left. And this is our posture of praise. We're not concerned with what our neighbor's doing. We're not concerned with what's happening in our circumstances. It doesn't matter. We are looking up. Our whole attention is on the Lord. Imagine a vertical line going from you to the Lord right now. This 
is our posture of praise. So when we think of praise, think up, think vertical, okay? And a crazy thing happens when our worship goes vertical. This is your next feeling. God actually blesses our praise with his presence. He blesses our praise with his very presence. This is mind-boggling. You guys, when I came in this morning, Jessica and the team were rehearsing here, and it was like the minute I opened the doors, they were praising God, and it was like tears. Like the presence of God comes when we praise. He is here. He loves it. He can't resist it. He can't resist our praise. Scripture likens his coming to a king coming to rest upon his throne. This is his resting place. Our praise is his resting place. We create a dwelling place for him. It's beautiful. Psalm 22, 3 says, You sit as the Holy One. The praises of Israel are your throne. And the King James Version says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. So our expressions of praise, our halal, our todah, our yadah, our zamar, tehillah, barak, shabak, this lifting up of him creates a home. It creates a resting place. Like how beautiful. That's our job, to create a resting place for him. If you have taken Rooted with me before, you know this is my favorite book. Zach Neese wrote How to Worship a King. Pastor Mike has talked about this book before, and he says this. Where Jesus is, anything can happen. Programs will fail. The presence of God will not. Praise makes a place for him to inhabit. Be it a sanctuary, a heart, or a home, praise makes a meeting place. So we've learned what praise is. We've learned what happens when we praise, that he comes. And now I want to talk about why. Why is this so important for us? So here are the three reasons why we praise. And this is in your outline. The first is this. We praise God because of who he is. We praise God because of who he is. Now, how are we going to know who he is unless we get to know him? Right? We have to get to know him. Notice Jesus' words as he's speaking to the Father in John 17. He says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus is saying that this is our life, knowing him, both intellectually knowing and experientially knowing, okay? This is with our head, our heart, our spirit, our soul, like all of it, we get to know him. In his reality, we get to know the truth of who he is. We worship in spirit and truth, the reality of who God is. This is not a God that I have created. This is not a God that I have just decided, my Mr. Potato Head God, who has really cute kissy lips one day, and then the next day he's got these big angry eyebrows, and I just get to mix and match. That's not the God that we serve. I don't get to choose that. But we, we worship God in his reality, in his fullness. We get to know him. And so we praise God because of who he is in his reality. And when we come to know the truth of who God is, instead of being satisfied with what we think that he's like, we press in for more, we will realize he is better than we could have ever imagined. And so we praise God for who he is. That's number one. Number two is this. We praise God because of what he's done. 
We remember what he's done. Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Now, remembrance is a powerful thing. Memories are such a powerful thing. Often when I am in moments of deep worship with the Lord, this happened over and over during the 24 hours we were together, he was just bringing memories to mind, stuff that nobody else would know. Like only he and I would know what it meant, right? It's like all these inside jokes and all these inside stories. Has this ever happened with you guys? He'll bring things to mind because he's saying, Kara, you and I have history. Don't forget. Don't forget what I've told you. Don't forget what I've done. I'm going to bring it to mind. He brings these memories to mind. But so often the enemy will try to use our past against us. He'll try to sabotage that moment by saying, oh, but here's your past. Condemnation, judgment, not good enough. And that past being thrown in our face will shape our future. Like, oh, well, now I'm dreading tomorrow because I'm reminded of this past thing. Now I have terror or I'm afraid because, oh, this is where I've been. And we want to erase that. We don't want to remember that. We don't want to remember that past. So we try to push it aside. We want to erase that. But that's not how God rolls. (laughs) He doesn't erase it. He redeems it. He restores it. This is who God is. He takes those memories and he says, hold on to this because I am the author of memories. Okay? So these memories that we have with him, he's saying, don't forget what I've told you. Don't forget where I've taken you. Don't forget because this is all a part of praise. We praise for what he has done. In the book of Joshua, We witness the power of God holding back the flow of the Jordan River so that the people of God can cross and take possession of the promised land. So there's this place that they think they can't cross. And what happens is the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. This is the physical manifestation of the presence of God. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they reach the river. And the Bible says the moment their foot touches the water, it parts, it opens There's this miracle that happens. The water is in this huge mountain. They're able to go through. And God tells Joshua, have a representative from each of the 12 tribes of of Israel go into the center of the riverbank, grab a stone from the place where you thought you couldn't go, the place where you thought was closed off. Go there, grab a reminder, and take it to the place you're going to camp tonight. Hold this as a reminder And this is what he says to Joshua. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. God tells Joshua, don't forget, make a memorial, place a marker there. Make a monument to remember what God has done. Not just for them. Did you catch this? Not just for them, but for coming generations. Why? To instill a value of remembrance. He's instilling a value of gratitude and of perspective. So can you imagine bringing your children and your children's children to the spot where the miracle happened and saying, here is a marker of the goodness of God. I can point to it. I can see it. 
It will not be overlooked. I remember that this is what God has done. How powerful, how powerful for us to have this reminder. We come to him with remembrance and thanksgiving because he takes what was meant for evil and uses it for good. We see another example of a memorial stone in 1 Samuel. This is following a victory over the Philistine army. It says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, Stone of Help, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Amen. Samuel marks what the Lord has done by, again, creating a physical reminder. It can't be overlooked. The Ebenezer, the rock of help. This is where my help has come from. And this is where we get the lyric in the hymn, Come Thou Fount. We're going to put the lyrics on the screen. I want you to sing this with me if you know this hymn. It says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Isn't that beautiful? That's where that comes from. The Ebenezer, the rock of help. And what we can learn from even this lyric, it's saying this is praise. I'm holding it. Here I raise my Ebenezer. And I know that, Lord, you are the one that's brought me here today. And then that very next line, and I hope by thy good pleasure we see this shift. You're going to bring me safely home. Thus far the Lord has brought me, and I know he's going to take me all the way. He's going to bring me safely home. So there's this shift we've seen. We praise God for who he is. We praise God for what he has done. And then we shift forward. We praise God for what he will do. Because we know what he is going to do. And this takes us from a rem remembrance to thanksgiving to a place of increased faith and expectancy. Praise is a demonstration of our faith. Not just believing that we will get what we want, but believing that God is good, that he is trustworthy no matter what happens. That is our praise. We praise God because of who he is. So no matter where you are, no matter what's happening in your life, we can hold on to this hope. Amen. We have faith he will do what he has said he would do. Amen. And so worship propels us forward with hope. I love this idea of us being propelled forward. We start with knowing who he is and what he has done, but we're propelled forward because he gives us hope. This is not the end, we don't end here. He gives us hope for a future. Hebrews says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if that is true, the same yesterday, today, and forever, then if God was good yesterday, he is good today, and he will be good tomorrow. If he was worthy of worship, he is worthy of worship today, and he will be worship. He will be worthy of worship tomorrow. Does this make sense? If he has answered prayer in the past, he is answering prayers today. And he will answer prayers. You guys, this is beautiful because this gives us hope. This is a change of perspective. And we are propelled forward with hope. The enemy will try to use your past to sabotage your future. But 
When we practice praise, we practice remembrance. Remembrance becomes thanksgiving. Thanksgiving propels us forward with hope. I mentioned my time in Dallas earlier as being one of the most impactful moments in my life, and it was in really, really beautiful ways. But also, it was a season marked by a lot of pain. It was a season marked by a lot of grief. And for a while, that's all I could see. I didn't want to remember even the good because all I could see was what I had lost. I could only see what didn't work out. I could only see the friendships that didn't work out. I could only see the season of depression that came right after that. And so I didn't want to remember. I was in that place of saying like, okay, let's erase that. But remember, God doesn't erase. He doesn't. He doesn't leave me there. And so about a year ago, Jessica and I got to go to this worship conference, and guess what city the conference was in? It was in Dallas, so God's getting my attention. And we're sitting, actually we're standing, we're dancing, we're praising, we're in this place, and God's doing the same thing. He's bringing memories to mind. He is reminding me. He's trying to get my attention. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to think about that. I don't really want to think about that, right? And it's the second day of this conference, and finally Jessica leans over to me. And this is what she said. I feel like when you were here in Dallas before, something was stolen from you. And now through your worship and being here again, you get to release something and give something back to the city. So I'm like, okay, Lord. (laughs) So I begin to praise. Right? I don't go, oh, my gosh, me, the city, my memories, whatever. I look up because praise is vertical, right? So I begin to thank God. Thank you for what you've done in this city. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for who you are and thank you for what is going to come. I began to bless the city and you guys, he redeemed those memories. He infused them with his goodness and I'm not kidding, within a matter of days, those relationships were restored. He brought restoration and redemption to those memories because he is the author of memories. And he is so, so good. And so an attitude of praise propels us forward into a future of hope. He restored my hope. And when I'm talking about a future of hope, I don't just mean future Sundays where we're going to get together. That's awesome. But I'm actually talking about our future future. Like we're going to worship forever. I'm talking about eternity. We don't know a great deal about what heaven will be like. But we do know that when we get there, we will be utterly consumed with abundant and joyous worship. We will be face to face with the King of glory. And I can only imagine that we will have the same response of John in Revelation 1.17. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, blown away at the magnificence, the majesty of God. The only proper response to the glory of God is worship. And since we'll be faced with eternal glory, we will have an eternal posture of worship. We get a taste of this by reading in Revelation 4. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Does that sound familiar? 
Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And they exist because you created what you pleased. Do you realize that when we lift our song of praise, we are joining heaven. We are in alignment with all of heaven, with the saints and the angels when we worship. And do you realize that when we get to heaven, we're not going to um, come into a room like this and sit down and hear a message and read our Bible and grab a latte at the cafe and we're not going to serve in kid town. We are going to worship. We actually know one thing will happen. We will worship forever. Hallelujah. We will worship forever. Now maybe that word forever like freaks you out a little bit. Like for who now? Forever. Like forever, forever. Forever. And maybe to some of us, that's like boring. Like really? Like this was already a lot this morning. This is like a lot for me to handle. I don't want to do that forever. I'd like uh, heaven to be a place that sounds fun. Maybe like a place that I want to go, and maybe it sounds like too serious. I'm not spiritual enough for that, to worship forever. And so I want to propose this scenario to you of a super spiritual moment in worship. Okay, picture this with me right now. Let's say we're in this moment, and it's like still a super spiritual moment. And there's like someone playing some pads on the keyboard. It's like, wow. And someone's playing electric guitar and these swells. And the worship leader's like, I want to read this um, passage. And they pull out their Bible and they read the most magnificent, profound thing you could have ever heard. And you're like, wow, this is like real serious right now. It's a serious moment. And the worship leader goes to the keyboard. And they get ready and they play this chord. And it sounds like this. Guys, I can't beatbox. I'm so sorry. Here's what I'm talking about. Let's watch this video. Martin Smith from Delirious, you guys. First service got it. Come on, guys. That's Martin Smith. I love him. And if Martin Smith does it, guys, it makes me feel so much better because I have done that so many times. Um, but think about this. If worship is so serious and so boring, then he ruined it. Like, he's done as a worship leader because he's ruined that serious moment forever. But what was his response when that happened? He laughed. What was your response when that happened? You laughed. What was my response when that happened? I laughed. Now, what was God's response when that happened? I think he's laughing too. I think he loves it. Like, that's funny. Because think about this. It's not like he doesn't know who we are. 
It's not like he doesn't know how keyboards work. It's not like he doesn't know, right? The Bible says that he created our hearts, and so he understands everything that we do. He gets that we're messy. He gets that it's silly. He gets that it's fun, because I think he's really fun. So if we think that worship is so serious, I think that only happens when we take ourselves a little too seriously. Because he just wants to be with us. He just wants to be with us. That is worship. And I'm thinking again about that verse in Psalm 27, 8, that says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And so, Lord, my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And so sometimes my Lord, I am coming is looking like I'm coming with weird beatbox sounds, right? But that's still worship. I'm coming with this mess, but I'm coming right? And he just wants to be with us. So I don't think worship is boring. I don't think it's so serious. I think that he's really fun because he just wants us. And so worship is inviting him into every moment, serious, boring, or fun, or silly, and keeping him first. It's just inviting him into that moment. And here's our last villain. Worship is preparing us for eternity. Right now, Worship is preparing us for eternity. Last week, Mike talked about this when he said, Jesus prepares us for eternity and eternity for us. Guys, this is not it. This is not all there is. We're at the end of our worship series, but we're not done worshiping, right? We're going to carry this with us. This is a part of who we are, and so we're just getting started. We praise God for who he is. We pursue his presence. We get to know the reality of his character. We praise God for what he has done. We are not afraid of our past because God has redeemed memories and turned them into songs of thanksgiving. And we praise God for what he will do. We are not afraid of our future because we have faith that God is still as good as he was before. And so we live with the hope of heaven. Guys, this is the power of praise. This is what happens, and this is why. This is so important, this vertical act of praise. Amen. I want to end by reading a psalm that Pastor Mike read. Actually, at the beginning, I realized this after I put this in there, he read this psalm at the beginning of our 24 hours of worship, and I would love to end our time by reading the same psalm over you. So would you stand with me as we read this together? This is from Psalm 34. I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out, and God got me out of a tight spot. God's angel sets up a circle of protection around us while we pray. So open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. So Jesus, we are so grateful We are so grateful for your presence. We are so grateful that you love our worship. We're so grateful that you delight in us. God, keep our eyes fixed on you right now.
We fix our eyes on you, Lord. Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we place our hope in you, the hope of heaven. God, we know who you are and what you have done. And so we have faith that you will do what you said you would do. Lord, you will do it again because you are good and you are faithful. Thank you for a future full of hope. Thank you for not leaving us stuck where we are. Thank you for propelling us forward with hope. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. In your perfect name, amen. 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 Guys, we're going to go into a time of worship now. I would love for us to just begin to practice what we have been learning this morning, just blessing Jesus.
Let's lift our faces to the Lord. Can we do that? And let's give him a shout of praise right now. The Lord is so good. Jesus, you're so good. You are so good. Oh, my goodness. I love worshiping our Lord and Savior with you. I'll tell you, what a, what a gift, what an honor it is. I, I really, I feel like I'm the luckiest pastor on the planet right now. I really, hey, can we thank Kara for leading us? This is such a powerful day today. Thank you so much. If you would, please go ahead and have a seat. And, and uh, I want to give you a moment to finish filling out those connection cards that are in your handout. We, we try to take a moment every time we gather together. And, and so if you would, fill that out. If there's any prayer requests you have, put those on the back. If there's a next step in your faith you're taking, put that down. If there's a question you have about serving in a ministry or, or just anything uh, that we can serve you with, help you with, please write that on that card. That's what it's for. It's, a, it's an ideal. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's a, it, the way we make it more ideal is that this is how we try to care for all of our church family. And so please take a moment and fill that out. And then um, you can also prepare with the giving of your gifts, tithes, and offerings. Um, the ushers are going to come in just a moment, and they'll pass a bucket. And, and uh, so if you want to continue worshiping uh, through giving, this is that opportunity. And you can also drop your cards in those buckets. If this is your first time, we're so glad that you're here today. Keep a hold of your card. And on your way out, you can stop by the Connection Center. And there are wonderful people there that would love to meet you and greet you. And, and they have a gift for you. Just our way of saying thank you for being with us today. So ushers, why don't you come and we'll collect those gifts and those cards. And then uh, as those buckets are being passed, please watch this video. Hi, I'm Gabe and I'd like to share my heart of worship with you today. God is the great creator. He's the creator of all things, but it's a lot more than that. Like he also made me and he gave me, you know, uh, he gave me a purpose. He gave me eyes that can see color. He gave me ears that can hear music, he gave me a voice that can sing, you know, he gave me hands with ten fingers that can like hit a drum or like play a chord that it evokes emotions in people and I don't know, I think about that and I just, what else would I do? Worship is manifestation of love for God, so it's a lot of things, it's, you know, it's catharsis, it's self-sacrifice, it's adoration, you know, it's reciprocation of his love for us. Um, yeah, it's really encompassing. Yeah, I mean, this is a really huge building and a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in that, to feel, you know, overwhelmed by just, or even intimidated by the size of it, to feel like more self-conscious about all the people around me. Like, I have some like concrete ways that, that I deal with that. Um, I find that singing the words really helps me because it forces me to think about what I'm seeing. It takes my focus off of other things that are happening on stage that I might be tuned into. Um, and I don't know, something about my voice singing them like forces me to internalize it to like really make it my song and my story. Um, similar thing with, uh, you know, lifting my hands, like engaging my body in the experience. Like worship for me is something that exercises kind of all three parts of me, mind, body, and spirit. And so I find that if I you know, if I forcefully engage the other parts, the spirit usually follows. I don't know if you recognize Gabe. Gabe's often our drummer, and uh, I think he's the patron saint of interesting t-shirts. Uh, I, I love being on this team with Gabe. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I want to pray God's blessing over you and dismiss you. But first, I just want to remind you that, uh, as always, we have prayer in our prayer alcove on the second floor here. We'd love to make sure that you have an opportunity to, to meet someone and pray for someone specifically about anything that you're going through right now. And then I do want to remind you, this information's in your handout, but this afternoon we've got these community parties that are happening uh, kind of scattered around this east side region. And it's just one of those ways where we can slough off the winter isolation and get together and have some fun with one another. I'll be at one of the parties. I know several of our pastors and team members will be, so we'd love to see you there as well. Why don't you stand right now and let me pray God's blessing over you. Again, I would ask you to close your eyes, but lift your faces to the heavens and receive these words. And now may you leave this place as a worshiper of the one true God who is worthy of all of our worship and all of our honor and all of our praise and glory forever and ever. And may you leave being assured that Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, goes with you. May you have joy as you walk with Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.